guys, welcome back to the Kind of Funny Games cast. As always, I'm Tim Geddes, joined by one of the coolest dudes in video games, Greg Miller. I already got the Busan train rolling. Don't worry. Oh, oh is that where we're going? going? No. Yeah, that's right. Don't, don't worry. That's, no. The new face of video games, blessing at AOEA Jr. It's me. So I got my Switch, right? And right now yeah, I'm, playing, I'm playing uh, Donkey Kong Country 2. Diddy's yeah, Kong you Quest. are. As you should. Uh, I got my new Joy-Cons, you know, the, my blue and yellow, uh, that I'm really excited about. And uh, I, I realized the thing. I realized that growing up, I only played the first level of Diddy's Conquest. As I'm looking at it right now, I'm like, I'm not, I've never seen anything past this. And so, one, I'm excited to play through it for the first time. But then, two, what is Donkey Kong in this game? Or is it like a Metal Gear Solid 2 situation where it's like you just play as Diddy and Dixie? Dude, oh, I am. I, You're I'm, asking all the right questions here. I'm flabbergasted that you have not, that you, hey. the king of Dongtober itself, have not played through Donkey Kong Country 2. And oh, yeah. you love Donkey Kong Country 1? Oh, yeah, dude. I adore Donkey Kong Country 1. Uh, and to be to be fair, I played through Donkey Kong Country 1 on my Game Boy Color. Like, that was the way that I originally played through that game. I played the original also at a friend's house. But uh, yeah, no, my Donkey Kong fandom comes primarily from DK64. Imran Khan is the most insane it's thing insane. I've ever heard. <laughs> the forward former Imran Khan. Hi, Imran. What's Imran, give, give me your your DKC two take. It is one of the best two D platformers in my memory, at least. I, like I don't know how well it holds up now, but like it was so much better than Donkey Kong Country that like at the time it was mind blowing. It's I, as far as I remember, it has held up since then. Oh, it does. And I'm so excited for you, Bless. I'm going to need some, like, up-to-date text on, on going through this game. Oh, I got there's you. moments, man. When you get to the, the Bramble Blast level. Oh, yeah. That's Stick another thing. Is I've, I've heard the oh. soundtrack a lot. Like, I've listened to the soundtrack just being like, oh, yeah, this, this shit slaps. Like, Sticker Brush, Sticker Brush Sym- Symphony, I know is a jam. Uh, Bramble Blast or whatever, I know it's, it's I, I know the same jams. thing. Oh, Bramble same Blast thing? Okay. is the name of the level that Sticker Brush Symphony plays. Gotcha. Sticker Brush Symphony is like an, in Brawl a lot, too, isn't it? Yes. The, yeah. The, yeah cause, the dopest remix of all time. I remember that song uh, sticking out a lot, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited to play through. I've been playing a lot, uh, I've been playing a lot through a lot of uh, classic games lately. It's been a great time. Yeah. There's a theme park world. That theme park world will blow your mind. Just like uh, Nier Automata? Less killing, but well, <laughs> maybe about the same amount of killing. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Kind of Funny Games cast each and every week right here on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. We get together to talk about video games and all the things that we love about them. You can get the show early watching live on Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny games you also get the exclusive post show uh just like our patreon producers did muhammad muhammad get healthy with hiram at gmail.com tom bach skin tight salmon jeffrey p long julian sancho west gaming and James Hastings, shout out to all of you for being awesome. Uh, if you don't have the financial means to be that awesome, that's totally cool. You can be awesome in other ways. Watch us later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosterteeth.com, or listen to us as a podcast. Just search for Kinda Funny Games Cast on your favorite podcast service, and we'll be right there for you. Uh, guys, I want to get into this. Before we talk about what we've been playing, I, I want to talk about something that we're probably all going to play in some way, shape, or form. Greg, you and I just did the RTX superhero panel 
Um, sure did. That, that I'm sure will we'll go live on Rooster.com at some point soon. And something you said kind of like triggered something in my mind. You were talking about Spider-Man on Spider-Man, Spider-Man Remastered coming yeah. out on, on PlayStation 5. I assume we're all extremely excited about Miles Morales. Oh, yeah. You said, yeah. you said that you are planning on platinuming the Spider-Man Remastered. That's correct. Where, do, where Imran and Bless, where do you fall on that? I don't know that I'm going to go back and platinum that game again. But, like, I, I say that and there's, like, a reasonable chance that I just get bored one weekend. And I'm like, yeah, sure, let's just platinum it. Let's skip every cutscene or whatever and get through this as fast as possible. And it wasn't a hard platinum. So, okay, now that I'm, I'm talking myself into doing it now, <laughs> so I'll probably actually do it. What a fucking game. Like, I think it's so cool that... It can come out as a remaster with minor changes and a couple new trophies. And it's like, already, we got two out of four of us being like, it's happening. Bless, where are you at? I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to. I don't think they're going to either. Like, I think you're going to, I think you guys are going to play Miles Morales, <laughs> platinum that, and be like, oh, yeah, there's a hundred other games that are out right now. And then transition to those Look, games. I didn't say like, where are you guys going right right to find, where are you going to find time to platinum Spider Man remastered? Spider-Man, the original Platinum's like one week oh. or end, one weekend. I remember I beat it in a weekend and I went through and had a great time running through doing all stuff. I'd love to see the story right. again. Hopefully I'll, I have my suits. I can unlock suits faster. You know what I mean? Like I want the end of the Spider-Verse suit faster. Yeah. Than if they, if they let me like just play the game with Spider-Verse suit from the beginning, then I'll probably play that game over again. And then it's going to be like a, a very short trip to Platinum get from there. I don't know where you guys are going to find the time. Yeah, I don't know that I'm definitely not platinum. Yet. I didn't yeah. say I'm gonna do it right away. I didn't say yeah. it's the first thing I okay. do PlayStation 5 out of the box. First thing I do is yeah, platinum Miles Morales. But okay. I am so excited to see how Spider-Man runs with all the, the fancy new stuff yeah. and tech going on, the ray tracing and all that. Sure. Because Spider-Man is one of the games that I pop it on every once in a while, just when I'm just like in here in the theater, just popping around, being like, I want to see something pretty. The HDR <laughs> in that game is fantastic. Barrett is actually running the show right now. Barrett. Yo. You you finally told me you're making the jump. Yeah. You're getting one of the LG OLEDs. Yeah, it's, How it's coming by Tuesday. Oh shit! I'm very, I'm very, I'm nervous and I'm excited. This is the most I've ever put down on a TV ever in my life, and so like I'm yeah. just, I'm just naturally nervous as I usually am about everything in life. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's coming, that's coming by Tuesday, I think at the latest. I'm excited to get it installed. Uh, the current TV I have, we're gonna put in our roommate's room. Um, and yeah, get, get it all set up. And I want to, I want to, I, I like, I'm trying to think in my mind what to play first on that. And someone's so, okay. Out, I'll give you the so, order so, of operation. No, someone threw out their Tetris effect, which I think is, Ooh, a, that's good. A, which yeah. is okay. a really good okay. move there. Yeah. What do you got? That's to? cool. That's cool. But I really think step number one needs to be ratchet and clank. Mm. Hold um, it up, run around a little bit and just yeah. see how, how crazy these colors can be. Yeah. Then. Okay. Pop into Horizon Zero Dawn. Nah, yeah, I don't own it. Like uh, I'm not going to pay money for that. Too. And, nope. Here's. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That, if, if you had access to it, or yeah. if you wait for the PlayStation Plus collection, then you'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, but the but HDR, that, just that walking might be around. A game I go back for, to uh, for the PS Plus collection for sure. I mean, you don't even need to play through it. Just walk around for like three yeah. minutes and yeah, just yeah, yeah. just see how crazy this looks. But then load up Spider Man and play for like an hour. Just swing around and see what <laughs> happens because you have to get through one of the sunsets. Mm. Seeing the sunset mm. with the HDR and 4K Ooh. stuff, great stuff. Yeah, I don't think great I've stuff. actually touched uh, Spider-Man since before this current TV, which does have 4K HDR. It's just not an OLED screen. Uh, the last time I played Spider-Man was just on a 4K TV without HDR. 
So I don't think I've ever played that game with HDR. So what an experience! I know. I want to say Resident Evil Two is also a really good OLED game. Nah, is that's like... too, that's too scary. <laughs> okay, good, yes. Because it, it, like it's one of those things that like this is complete darkness. I cannot see shit, and that's great. Like mm-hmm. it's it it managed to make an OLED look amazing despite seeing nothing. God, I love it. Um, anyways, enough about those old games. Let's talk about some new games. Hades. Who wants Ooh. to start? I'll start with Hades. Hades is fucking amazing. Holy shit. Hades, like, I've I've had this game on my Epic account for the last, God, well, it would have been the day the game came out on yeah. Epic Game Store. So that's 2018, I think. Was this, have, this game was shown at Game Awards, right? And it was yeah. like, a, it's available now in yes. some type of early form. It was yeah, exactly. the game that launched the Epic Game Store, essentially. Hmm. And like, I, I had it and I just never booted up. It's like, oh, early access. I'll, I'll wait or whatever. Then I keep hearing from people, oh, this game is actually really good. Like, Super Giant games are always good. Like, mm-hmm. mostly narratively, mostly in terms of art. Rarely in terms of gameplay. Like, they're fine, but they're, nothing ever, like, popped for me, personally. Uh, but I, I basically, I, until the 1.0, I didn't really do much with it. Then we got Switch Codes, and I was like, okay, sure. I, I will play this game. It is... It went very quickly went from, hey, this game is pretty good to, holy shit, this is one of the best games of the year. Because the way, the way a game feels is very primarily important to me. And Hades feels so good. It feels like every single movement is exactly what you want to do. And it's like buttery smooth the entire time. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I think for me, the thing that really makes it is the gameplay loop. Like for a roguelike, that is that is the whole thing for a roguelike is the gameplay loop, right? You're going through these different levels. You're it's procedurally generated, and you die, you come back, and the way you play each run feels different based on how you approach. And and in in the case of Hades, based on like what is the first boon I'm getting, which are which is your upgrade that is then determining, all right, is my attack getting upgraded? Is my special getting upgraded? Is my cast getting upgraded? How am I approaching this run this time? Um just just so I can get a lay of the land, right? Like Tim and Greg, you've you played some Hades too, right? Yeah, I, you know, I love Super Giant games. And when it came to Epic, I actually installed the Epic Game Store and <laughs> installed the game and played it for a while there. And now that it's on Switch, yeah, I've downloaded it and inst- I've played, I'd say, maybe a grand total of an hour. I've been working on other projects. Gotcha. But I love Tim, it. I think it's fantastic. Tim, how much do you know about Hades? I haven't played it. I just know the art style looks cool and Super Giant make dope stuff. And yeah. besides that, like Dead Cells is really my only kind of entry oh my God. into any of these type of games. If you like Dead Cells, I think there's Love a good it. chance you'll really like Hades. Because, yeah, the, the so the story for Hades is that you're playing as Zagreus, who is son of Hades. It's Greek mythology. And as Zagreus, your whole mission in this game is to make it out of the underworld. And so you're essentially climbing through uh, these chambers that... The way, that, the way they explain it, because it's a roguelike and, of course, everything's procedurally generated, the way they explain it in-game is that, yeah, the chambers are shifting and moving in order to make it difficult for anybody who's trying to escape from the underworld. Uh, so every mm-hmm. time you die as Zagreus, you get sent back uh, to the bottom, and you're basically trying over and over again, and you're making it further and further into the underworld, uh, or out of the underworld in each attempt you, uh, you go through. As you're making it through, though, you're finding different upgrades in the world that are upgrades that last for only that run, and they call them boons. And boons are basically granted to you by the different characters and gods that are in Olympus or that are that just exist in the game in general. And so you'll get boons from, like, um, uh, Artemis, who's, I, I think, like, the god of 
shooting arrows or something like that, yeah. <laughs> something like that. Uh, and like you know, you'll find you'll find uh, upgrades from Zeus, you know, and, and each of the upgrades have different qualities to them. This is something that Imran pointed out to me during the first impressions that I didn't put together is that like the boons from different gods have different focuses to them and so yeah artemis will have stuff that'll increase like your critical hit damage or uh essentially have a build around critical hits whereas other gods will have uh abilities and upgrades that'll then focus in on those different uh like specific different types of playstyles. and that is probably the biggest compliment i can give to this game is for most of my runs that i've had so far i felt like my character build and the way i play uh, shifts each time in a way that is very unique to either a specific weapon or a specific way to use that weapon because you can choose which weapon you want to go through your run with. Uh, and even even with the shifting playstyles, the shifting builds, it's felt very satisfying each time. It's, it has felt like it, it. It's felt very skill based each time. Like I don't feel like I'm just purely button matching the whole time. Like it feels like I am uh, curating how I'm going to play this run based on the hand that I'm dealt. And at a certain point, you can then you can you can then shift things so that all right, yeah, the first boon I'm gonna get is going to be from Artemis or is going to be from Zeus. And you can Artemis kind of from the Startemis. Artemis foul. Uh the game. You you, you wild, can assess West. Thank you, Craig. You're Wait, welcome. is that a Wild Wild West reference? Yeah. Oh yeah. Wait, say that again because I didn't <laughs> catch that. Call, not to be Yeah. Artemis from Jesus. the Startemis running the game. Jim West. Oh Save the West. Okay. Remember the yes. name? <laughs> <laughs> I did not put that together. I, I it's been a while since I've seen Wild Wild I, West. I appreciate before. the Artemis Fowl call out. Blessing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I mean, that was that was the book in elementary school, Barrett. You know. Oh yeah. Uh, Bless. I've been a question what's for you. Book? No, no. Wait, what's this book about? I don't. I don't know what Artemis Fowl. Is. Artemis like, Fowl. Plus. It, it's a. Uh, it's like edgy Harry Potter kind of stuff. Yeah, it's like uh, a young adult novel that try to take advantage of yeah. all that, like. That era yeah, of like fantasy and stuff like that, yeah. but it is a it is a really cool universe and, and story. Don't watch the movie; read the book. The movie is really bad. Uh, bless. I have two questions that are, are dead cells related. One: dead how, how long is a run in Hades? Uh, so I've beaten I've beaten the final boss twice. Each one was about thirty minutes. Yeah. Oh wow. And okay. Even for the runs I'm making, I've made, I've made it to now the third boss in the game. Uh, and it shifts from like 15 to 30 something minutes for me. Gotcha. Yeah. And then, so something that I, I liked about Dead Cells, but thought that I personally wish was sped up a lot is the more that you play and the more runs that you do, the, you start to like gain the points or whatever to be able to, to get to the things you want faster and all that. Like, do you kind of level up when you're playing the game so that every run feels like even if you lose, you're still kind of gaining something yes. substantial? So there's like a lot of stuff you're co you're collecting as you're going. There's uh, the boons that I've been talking about, which are your your upgrades you have during the runs. There are coins of Karen uh, that you're that that's a currency you collect that uh, I believe disappears after your run. You then right, have those are only for items in the run. Yes, only for items in that run. Then you have I believe it's called darkness, which you're collecting that then stays with you after your run, and that you can then uh, spend on permanent upgrades. And to to your question, Tim, I feel like it paces at a similar rate, if not maybe slightly slower than Dead Cells, as far as like how wow you, how like you getting stronger as you're going. Like I, I feel like I'm not getting that much stronger as I'm going, though. I do feel like I am demolishing the first like you are extremely early blessing. Like 
okay. as you go, by the end of it, you are like the run before I came here to sit down and do Gamescast, and which is a run I finished. That I had was using the gun, which is not a weapon that I was particularly good at. That I was between where I started and where I ended up were just a massive difference. I was constantly shooting, constantly dashing. Every dash got or poisoned the enemy, and every time I shot them, which is like because I did it so I never have to reload the gun, but it doesn't on three shot bursts would do a doom spell, which also then hits them for 150 damage, which is bullet. So it's like it's stuff like that. That okay, yeah, you start powerful and you get a little bit more powerful early on but by the time you actually get to the end game you are you start powerful and you get extremely powerful interesting <laughs> that i'm very excited cool, about man. and also, i'll also say compared to death cells i feel like there are more things though uh, that you can that you can focus on for like permanent upgrades and so you have your darkness that you can spend then you have like everyone was saying the weapons that you can uh buy and those are then permanent weapons that you can choose from at the beginning of each run uh which are like yeah you can get a, a gun at a certain point which i still don't have uh a sword <laughs> bow and arrow stuff like that um but then you also have your keepsakes which you get by there's a certain item that you'll find during your runs that you can take and then gift to other characters those other characters will then give you keepsakes which are basically like these special uh i don't know what you'd call them like special conditions that you can have during your run and so like you can have you can start with more money or you can uh start with a guaranteed boom from zeus or something like that um and you you can then upgrade those also and so like there's a number of things that you're uh you're able to upgrade and there's also a story that is pretty good um like out of any of the roguelites i played like i this story feels like it has a lot more uh tlc put into it uh it's it basically develops as you go and everything is contextualized within obviously like this, this roguelite system of you're doing multiple runs. You are trying to get out of hell basically. And what, what, like what led you here? Like, why are you doing this? What is going on? Uh, and it's all contextualized within Greek mythology and it's pretty fascinating. Yeah. And also like that, that item you can give to people for keepsakes. If you keep giving them that item, you find out they have like personal side quests. So like, one of the people I was giving the item to was just this uh, warrior shade that's, like, living in Elysium. That, like, he's bored of it. He doesn't want to keep doing uh, battles for eternity. So I talked to him, and I was like, oh, he was in love with Achilles. So now I'm, like, relaying messages between the two of them. Huh. And it's stuff like that. Of There's, like, a singer and who doesn't want to sing anymore without his muse, but I keep meeting the muse, and she fucking hates him. <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out the difference between like or what their difference is. And I as I'm going, I'm like, oh, is he tried to rescue her, her from hell once, but it didn't work out and I don't know why. So I'm trying mm. to get further into the side quest to figure that stuff out. And it's all like they took there's maybe like 15, 16 NPCs in this game, and they're all extremely interesting. They're yes. all very well voice acted too. Yes. Like that's the, a super the, giant special, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's the thing too is uh, there are so many reasons why this game is great and yeah, one of them is it feels like it is supremely polished like from the voice acting being excellent to the soundtrack and the music being great to the sound design being awesome to the art, like the visual art of the game being fantastic the character design being fantastic like it, this game shines aesthetically in so many different ways uh, that is really impressive but yeah, to, to what Imran is saying like one of my favorite characters not for any like particular reason is Meg but mainly because like she's the she's the first boss that you'll run into towards the end of the first area, and so you see her a lot, and they they do like a they have a lot of dialogue, like a, a lot of um, 
uh, I'm not, not even like rotated in, like a lot of new dialogue for whatever you see her. And like she'll point something out, some or you guys will have a different interaction each time. And it's like, oh yeah, you're, you've come back again, huh? Uh, at Zagreus and Zagreus is like, oh yeah, like nice to see you too, Meg. Like you guys have that kind of relationship. And there are at points where you'll die and then you come back. And whenever you die, you go back to the house of Hades, um, which is, I guess, is Hades' is house. I don't know what, how else to put it. Um, <laughs> and like people are just chilling there. And like you'll come by Meg and Meg's just hanging out and you'll be like, hey, Meg. And Meg's like, oh yeah, I killed you, didn't I? And you'll be like, oh yeah. Like you have that kind of back and forth interaction with these characters that really cement the world in, in, in really cool ways. She's gotten progressively mad at me, madder at me throughout the game because I keep beating her. Then there was a there's a thing you can do post game, which is basically create modifiers for your next run. And one of the modifiers is called extreme measures, which changes up the boss fights in like fairly fundamental ways. So for Meg's boss fight, it takes her and her two sisters, the other two Furies, and makes them work together. And she is not happy about that, and she's gotten more mad at me because I put that in. That's awesome. Awesome. I love how much care is put into it from like a narrative perspective to back up why the game is playing the way it is. Yeah. So Imran, you've beat it twice already. Do you think how many more beats do you think you have in you? Look at the crazy look at the crazy look in this kid's eyes. He's playing it for another week and a half at least. So like there's an once you beat the game, there's still story to do. It's like you I'm not gonna spoil it, but you do keep going back and doing the runs. I wanna at least finish out the story and I wanna kind of finish everyone's side quest. But just, like, the idea of doing that is going to take so much time. But the game, even, I've put, I want to say, 25 hours, maybe close to 30 hours since Thursday. So I I did not in any way tired of it yet. Like, I'm not, usually by, at this point, roguelikes kind of get annoy me a little bit. Like, oh, it's the same content over and over. There's very rare exceptions, like Spelunky. But this one, it's just, everything feels so good and everything feels so different each time with yes. the different, like, boons and weapons and all that and it's still difficult especially with the fact that i keep adding those modifiers onto there that i i legitimately see myself playing this game for like greg said maybe another week or two or honestly probably like another 30 hours Imran, what can you describe your best build that you've gotten because that's the thing that i found very satisfying is finishing the first area and being like I'm fucking unstoppable. Like anybody come at me because right now my, my dash deflects all projectiles. I have um, a dash attack that'll then extend and then rotate off of five different enemies. Like you can feel like a god in this game if, if your cards get played right. A uh, really good build I had recently was I had the bow and arrow and I attached the um, Ares Doom thing, which causes more damage after it hits, like about half a second later, onto the special attack, which shoots like nine arrows at the beginning then i added four more arrows onto that so what i do is i just get right up onto people then shoot that thing and it does like 15 arrows then each one of those arrows individually would do an extra Ares special and then i had aphrodite as my summon so whenever she got all the, her bar got completely full which would happen often because i also had a boon to increase the summon bar on its own she would just straight up just do like 3,000 damage to every boss so i was clearing out rooms extremely fast and I also had the Poseidon boon to you're stronger in the first 10 seconds of every battle. So I would rush in, just kill everything, and then move on really quickly. To 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 show like the how different this game can play between runs, like uh there during our uh, first impressions that we recorded that's on youtube.com, so it's kind of funny games that everybody should go watch. Uh there can was I listen a, to it as a podcast? You can listen to it as a podcast, yeah. Available on podcast services around the globe. Uh, Spotify, Podbean, all that good stuff. Apple. Um, I was using 
and the shield weapon that basically plays like your Captain America. You can throw it and it'll boomerang off people and you can basically bash people with it also. Um, at a certain point during that run, I get a, a, a boon that is basically an upgrade that allows it so that every time I cash my shield, my next two attacks do more damage. And throughout that run, I was also upgrading my attack damage in general. And so that then became the strat of, all right, I enter a room, I immediately do my special to throw my shield, catch it, attack enemies right away. All right, do that over and over again. And that is now like a new way to play the game just for that run because of the way my upgrades landed. Like that's how, that that to me is like where this game shines in terms of how cool each run can be individually and how it, it keeps being fresh from run to run to run. Are there kind of bummer runs though? Because in Dead Cells, another problem I had is there were certain weapons that if I started and that's what I got, I was like, ugh, I kind of just want to die and restart this. <laughs> no, between our areas in hell, if you you can go to a fountain, you can purge a boon that you don't like, and you can just sell it off for money. And then the next time you get it, like, you you talk to someone, you also have a boon for that slot. Like, slots like dashing, attack, special, stuff like that. So if you get something you don't like, you can easily sell it and ch- change it up for a new one. Or rarely a god will offer you the same kind of like slot but a better version of it so it's like well i don't like i don't like poisoning people this is not the run i want to get then suddenly demeter gives me something that's like oh this is actually way better than the thing i had before any closing thoughts on hades I really fucking like that game. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody should go play it. This is my first Super Giant game that I've truly like loved in this way. Uh, and so, yeah, like if you've played Super Giant games before and are somehow like me and you're like, okay, yeah, the art's cool and all this stuff, but the gameplay's not doing it for me, I'd say check this one out regardless. Like it is a really good game. I'm downloading it now on my Switch. Hell yeah. yeah. Y'all yeah. sold me. It also Great. runs fairly well on the Switch. That's good. Uh, Greg, I want to hear about going under. Right, so uh, piggybacking off of Hades, right? Of course, uh, Dungeon Crawler Roguelite. Uh, it was the thing that I've been, you know, every night obsessively turning on the PlayStation 4 and playing more Avengers and grinding out those characters. You know, no big deal. Don't forget, I have a Captain America 150, everybody. Uh, How could I? I? I've been wondering, you know, what would break me of that habit. And do you remember going under, Tim? Do you remember seeing this during the presentations? Going under... It you g- give it a quick Google. I bet you will. It's this very colorful thing set in Silicon Valley. Obviously, oh, a phony yeah, one, yeah, right? Yeah. Which is the idea of, you know, Hades dropped. I started playing it on Switch. I enjoyed it. But then I turned it off and I went to the the PlayStation 4 to play something else, Avengers. And then this code came in and I put it in. And I've been shocked at the amount of hours I've put into I've put into going under now. Because when we did PS I Love You earlier this week, I had just gotten the code. And so what, bless, I had played like, 45 minutes of it i think in between before we started recording mm-hmm. and since then it's this weird thing now of starting up the playstation 4 at night playing a few runs of going under advancing that story a little bit more and then jumping to avengers going under though uh basically is uh, exactly what we're talking about with hades but set in this weird silicon valley you are jacqueline you have started an internship at fizzle it is uh another textbook startup uh that is selling a drink much like Lacroix. uh that is uh your breakfast lunch and dinner you don't have to worry about it you can just drink it and so i feel it does sound very familiar and it has this thing that I think Watch Dogs 2 nailed so well of 
being such a perfect parody of San Francisco slash Silicon Valley, where I don't think that was appreciated in Watch Dogs 2 unless you lived here and you walked on the streets and you heard mm -hmm. people have these exact conversations about their app or whatever. It's the same thing here of like they're doing these forced stand-up meetings every morning and everybody under their breath bitching about them. And it's like, oh my God, I remember going to these stand-ups at IGN. Yeah. And it's like them arguing about meetings and talking about disrupting the, the entire industry. God. And the... I'm shocked because I think it's usually this happens all the time where you see a indie game uh, during a presentation, trailer looks dope, turn it on, and it doesn't actually click the way I was expecting to. Uh, going under is funny uh, on its own, even if you don't fully understand startup Silicon Valley culture, and then the gameplay itself is totally approachable and also very challenging at the same breath where the idea here is that you are this intern hired for marketing they're not giving you a marketing job you have to go down these slides into failed startups and fight the monsters that live down there so like the first failed startup i went after was joblin which was like it's a jobs for goblin app where so all these go goblins are down there running around that you have to take out and get rid of uh the other one i'm working on now is winky dink which is their tinder and so like when you go into this world, it's all the whole office is very much skinned in a uh, scandalous Tinder-esque thing. And what I had no way of knowing when I started playing and started talking about it is the layers they keep adding to the game. Where you go into, you know, when you drop into uh, Joblin and you're going through there, you get, you run into a room where there'll be different uh, enemies you have to beat before you go to the next room. But sometimes there'll be a thing of like, all right, cool, there's a job challenge on this. And it's, you know, it, it, you'll be rated on the amount of stars you can get. So five stars for beating everybody really quickly or whatever, or whatever the task may be. Over in Winky Dink, it's you get to choose the enemy you're about to face. And it's like Tinder, where it goes in there and it'll be like, do you want to swipe right or left? Do you want to match or not match? And you can go through and pick the one that will actually pop out and you fight them. And... You know, it's this weird... The combat itself is basic, right? There's a dodge roll. You can pick up anything in the environment and fight. So, like, I keep fighting with uh, tablet pens that electrify enemies, but there's pencils around there, too. There's keyboards. There's uh, succulents, lots of succulents to throw around and fight with. So many succulents. Plants. And they call them Big Suck. I like it a lot. It's very much... <laughs> I love Big Suck. You love a Big Suck. I Good love old Winky Dink. But it's like, yeah, that's, you know, very much what it's like in Joblin uh, when you go over to Winky Dink, right? Like, I'm, I'm picking up anime body pillows and fighting people with that. And, like, when you're, you're doing stuff, you're getting, like, the heart and emojis matching off of it for certain things. And that's all well and good. Uh, like I said, the combat's fun in there. You get, there's a lock-on to enemies. You can throw your items as well. Uh, but you only have a certain amount of hearts. You have to refill those at either the, you know, uh, different coffee shops that are in these failed startups that you can go to and get your stuff there or off of enemies. When you complete certain tasks, uh, an Amazon-like drone comes in and drops you a box from your employer that has, like, you know, provisions in it of congratulations, continue to move on and stuff like that. And you keep advancing through fighting all these different things and going. Uh, like I was saying about the, the levels they keep adding to it, you know, I'm right there with you, Tim. One of the things you asked about uh, Hades, right, was, cool, is there prog progression between runs? For me, that's always so important, right, of like feeling like I'm getting something done. One of the things they do here really interestingly is, number one, uh, they, you're getting an overall currency for the game. So as you go bore down into these uh, worlds and dungeons and keep fighting, you'll get the thing of like, oh, you're buying and you're increasing your health. And it's just for that run. When you come back up, you're still, you know, the three hearts when you enter the next time. Uh, however, when you come out, there's uh, different things to power up out there that are the overall abilities you can get. So when you go in there and you find one of the abilities in one of the special rooms, if you've been leveling it up, you have it ready to go. 
And then the same thing too, you're unlocking different apps as you go into this thing that you can then use for combat, which will be like, you know, you can go in there and, you know, one of them is you can uh, spawn a, somebody to help fight you, fight with you if you've picked up that app last and stuff like that. Uh, again, to go into it, like you have different mentors as you're meeting in your job here that are people that are working at the startup for you. So if you equip that different mentor, you'll get a buff when you go in. So like right now I'm using uh, the first one I've unlocked, which is this woman who is the uh, uh, accountant. And so when I go down with her equipped as my mentor, I'm earning more money from the run that I can spend more on the shops to keep everything going. And, you know, I talked about it in the thing with blessing that one of the, the uh, things I liked, obviously, was how funny it is to go into the coffee shop and buy this and they have an avocado toast joke about home, home ownership, of course. But then there's like, this guy who will give you a curse if you want. Like you walk in and there's a free item. Sorry. Yeah. You know, I've let you go for a long time here. Yeah, and it's please. just like the amount of words that you've said, the amount of things that you say, of course, too. Like <laughs> the world is in such disarray that this is all just normal, that we're just supposed to take this as if anything. <laughs> that, like you're casually being like, oh, yeah, no, it's just the startup thing. And then there's the winky dink. And then it's just like <laughs> – all of this, so you go, yeah, you know, the, the avocado do- toast. They make a joke about home ownership, naturally. <laughs> what do you remember this being a thing? You remember it. this thing? That was the reason when people were like, "Man, it sucks, millenn- We can't buy houses." And so, and one, I forget which senator was like, "Oh, it's because you spend all your money on avocado toast." That was yeah, the indictment I, of I our generation. It's avocado that. toast is great. It's true. It is great. I've, it I've is. had so much avocado toast, and look at me. I don't own a it, house. Is avocado toast just toast with avocado spread on it? That's correct. You would be surprised, but yes, that is what it is. And here's the other thing. I want to try this. This sounds great. Dude, avocado toast should be a thing that Tim Gettys hates on because it's like, get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. I can't, man. It's fucking good. I'm going (laughs) to try it. I need to get a toaster first. Yes. Yeah, Washington Post has a headline here. Uh, no, that's not right. Oh, God, I don't want to subscribe. Fuck, I can't see it. I'm locked out. That's how it is. Sorry, yeah, I, did, I didn't mean to derail you too much. This is from May 15th, 2007. Millionaire to millennials, lay off the avocado toast if you want a house. Uh, an Australian millionaire thinks so. Uh, not everyone is convinced. Tim Gurner, a 35-year-old developer, called out his generation on Australia's version of 60 Minutes on Sunday. When I was trying to buy my first home, I wasn't buying smashed avocados for 19 bucks and four coffees for $4 each, he said. That's how this all started. All right. Is he is he needs to go visit the Winky Dink. Anyways, also, though, you, you can... Well, go on. Well, is it, that, is it that avocado is expensive? Is that what they're saying? It's that it's that avocado toast is a very basic meal, and I don't mean like a basic bitch thing. I mean like it's just it's toast with avocados, maybe a cracked egg on it, you know, salt and pepper. It's mm-hmm. delicious. But yeah, it people, sounds great. You know, it's like remember when you could go out blessing, and we went to like San Francisco brunch, and you get the bill, and you're like, how much was this fucking avocado toast? That's what he's talking about. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I follow. Anyways, like I was saying before, you can buy items to help you. You can get a cursed item that will actually hurt you, but it'll only be for a certain amount of rooms. And once you take on that curse, you can then uh, go in and use some of the different items they've put there. Uh, I already talked about that, I know, on PS I Love You. But then the other thing that they've done is they're layering jobs on top of this where your coworkers or your bosses are giving you tasks so that when you go in there, you have... Now, it's not even just about finishing the run and getting to the boss, which is obviously the overall goal for each one of these dungeons. It's also about going in there and lighting 30 things on fire and, you know, going through these rooms and not taking damage. Just putting those gameplay modifiers and those gameplay rewards on as you go. And so it's this really interesting mashup of a really cool art style, really colorful and bright, uh, a more realistic world even though i'm just talking about the silicon valley part and then the crazy dungeons and so it's this mashup of gameplay i really enjoy and a story i really like and a world that's really cool i'm looking at gameplay this shit looks it looks like if anyone's familiar with bailey from wwe 
before yes. she turned heel. Yeah. It looks yes. it looks like if they turned her entrance into a video game. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> she you're running around and you do kind of look like an inflatable tube man, right? Like cuz yeah. it's like this weird thing. It it got it has it isn't as nearly impossible to control, but in terms of like a feel, it's kind of got that Noby Noby boy thing going for it, I think, where it's like that colorful and it's tubey and it's you're going through and it's I just looking at it and liking it from the start to get in there and play and find the the actual combat to be like, "All right, cool." You're gonna love this, Tim. All right, cool. I run into this room and there's the normal Joblins, sure. Then there's one Joblin in an electric car who wants to run me over. Then there's this go- Joblin who will want, just wants to float in the air and throw things ranged at me. You have to actually sit there and come up with your strategy of how you're gonna do it. Carrying three goblins. items at a time. You can look at it like and see what weapons on the ground are better than the weapons you have by comparison and stuff. Like there, it's a goofy game, but there's a lot to it that I really dig. I am utterly shocked looking at this game and hearing you talk about this game that you seem to love it this much. Like that's impressive. That they, has, they, like, they nailed Kat- it. Does it have Katam- uh, Katamari Damacy energy to it? Because that's kind of the vibes I get when I look at gameplay and screenshots. I wouldn't say as nonsensical as Katamari Damacy, uh, or Damacy, right? Because I love Katamari, mm-hmm. but obviously it's crazy. But it is that thing of like you pick up a stapler, and rather than it be a little stapler, it's this giant stapler that you can shoot staples out at the Joblins as you run around and fight them, right? Like it has that energy of like taking these. I understand what Tim's saying now. Because <laughs> you said a lot of words just then, and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck he just said. I don't know what this is about me, but none of this is this conversation has been like weird or absurd. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it must have just been sitting here like, yeah. cool. Like, oh, okay, yeah. the Bacoblins, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, bless. You also <laughs> wanted to talk about Super Mario 3D All Stars. Oh my god. I give, me, give me give me the update, everybody. Where are we at? So I, I am I am almost forty stars into sixty four. I am uh, like nine stars probably into Galaxy, and I'm like maybe like one shine into into Sunshine. I'm the same. Well, no, okay. I'm like I'm like ninety in sixty four. I'm at like six in Sunshine, and I'm at like two in Galaxy. I didn't boot 64 because I just played the PC port. I I didn't play any Galaxy because I didn't feel like getting the Joy-Cons out of the Ring Fit joy, ring, ring Con and being like, all right, I'll play this way. So I mostly played Sunshine and mm, no. Mm. I, <laughs> so, mm. so like I've said before that I've not played much Sunshine and it might remain that way. I don't know. When I, the, the, the amount of Sunshine I played, I played a little bit of the first level. Um, like the whole intro sequence where the Shadow Mario kidnaps uh, Peach and then runs away, which is hilarious. I almost tweeted out like the video because it's just like a hilarious cutscene. Period. Voice uh, acting in in the Mario Sunshine intro it's bit so weird. <laughs> Peach it's is talking. Absolutely bizarre. Like I don't understand why she speaks so stilted. Mario, yes. <laughs> it's like what the fuck is happening right it's now? It's so Peach? strange. And uh, running around the level that comes after, like the Peach get kidnapped sequence uh i don't know like this something just feels off when there's not a long jump and there's not like a like when when mario doesn't have his traditional slate of moves it just doesn't feel right like i i feel like i feel like that is 80 percent of the reason i want to play these games it's the long jump i think that's realization i made as i started to play sunshine dude no you're just you're you're you need to get past that hump and i I think that you need to beat 64 and give sunshine a, a real attempt at wrapping your head around the controls because there is a long jump it's just not on the button you're used to it is the dive 
And when you wet things and get that dive going, there is a fluidity oh, to yeah. it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That sunshine, sunshine has some real special moments. And I was saying this in the first impressions and the more I played now, especially with the amount I've played of 64, it's like sunshine controls extremely well. Like playing as Mario and the control you have over him is like, it is unrivaled when you're comparing it to galaxy and 64. Sunshine like unrivaled is even better. Yeah. You have more we'll control see, over Mario, have- man. <laughs> Look at Bootsy. He's like, not a I'm chance. You, just like, I'm, playing, I'm, playing Mario or, I'm playing Mario 64 right now, and I'm hooked on it. And I'm like, man, it is crazy how well this holds up. Like, it is. Look, I, I'm not 64. <laughs> I prefer any day of the week. It is a better game than Sunshine. I'm not saying that. I'm saying in terms of just sheer controlling Mario. At, and that includes camera. 64. Oh, the only, I don't think the 64 camera is that bad. Hmm. But like, I'm using it fine here. I can see where Tim's coming from, but like, honestly, it, post Odyssey, especially Sunshine, doesn't feel great. Because like, Odyssey, I'm not comparing it to Tom. I, I know, but I'm thinking like, Odyssey wins. As, as somebody like I know, Blessing has played Odyssey recently, so mm-hmm. I would say like, yeah, I can okay. see that feeling real bad. My control issue is that invert or non-inverted camera, but inverted from the way it used to be. Bizarre. ruins the game for me i just i can't i can't play it i've tried i i've put put the game in the switch multiple times now trying to get that to work for me and it just it feels like i'm running with my left hand i just can't do it and mm-hmm. that alone has kind of ruined that game for me but yeah playing playing 64 in galaxy right now it is such a testament to how masterful those games are like i'm liking galaxy more so this playthrough than even my previous playthrough which was my first playthrough like i played it i guess a decade ago at this point and i beat it and i enjoyed it and i was like that was fantastic but i I don't think i really thought about galaxy in the way that i don't like i didn't think about it in like a 10 out of 10 sense i just thought about it as like a this is a fantastic game sense and i kind of forgot about it and playing it again now and going through the levels there is a a magic there that exists that I like I don't know how they do it time after time with, with exception of, of sunshine. Like it is it is crazy. And I'm just I'm joking on sunshine because I'm not playing much of sunshine. I play I want to play more of it so I can actually have a good opinion on it. Um uh, or a real opinion on it. Um but yeah, like Galaxy holds up. Like this game could have came out yesterday, and I feel like I would it would have made sense. Like it's crazy how well Galaxy just holds up, period. Um and then yeah, back to Mario 64. Wow, how how is this game still one of the best games I've ever played? Like Dude, that's it, really it my really opinion is. on it right now. But it did this playthrough, which is probably my fifteenth playthrough of this game. Like it really cements for me that the first half of the levels are vastly superior to the second half of the levels. Yeah, really rare exception. Cloud Cruise like, and TikTok Clock are not great levels. Over they're not. Okay. And Tall Tall okay. Mountain as well. It's like it's, what you don't like Tall Tall Mountain. So many of the stars require you to like go all the way up, and there's there's things that are just frustrating about that that aren't challenging, and mm-hmm. the camera's a big part of it. But it's just like right. there's too many little like tiny little things like uh, bridges you need to walk across. Yeah, there are. And, <laughs> oh man, and, I saw I fell off one of those earlier, like maybe thirty minutes ago. Tall yeah. Tall Mountain is a good like regular platforming level, but to do seven stars on it means going through the same thing over and over and over again. And that's my thing about looking at these three games next to each other and why Galaxy is just is so good and is like a 10 out of 10 because it understands when to move on from an idea and from a level. In 64, it's like there's some levels that just don't deserve six stars. Like they shouldn't be there. 
two, three, maybe. Sunshine has the right amount of stars, doesn't have the right amount of levels. Like that is a big problem. Is like you're we're kind of limited to not only uh, how many levels there are, but also how different they feel. Most of them feel and look very, very similar. It's so much water, too much water. Uh, then Galaxy is just so great where it's like, oh yeah, this planet or this galaxy, three stars. Yeah. The next one, six. The next one, four. Because why the fuck not? Like design <laughs> the game around like how much content is there. Don't try to force some things in, you know? Mm. I, I, I feel what you're saying, though. I, I'm kind of mixed with it because one of the reasons why I love Odyssey is because it allows it, it dwells in those levels. Like, a, a thing I really like about both 64 and Odyssey compared to Galaxy is it really does feel like you have to get to know a level. And, like, you know, coming back to, like, coming back to a level after each star or after getting a moon, um, you feel like you kind of become one with it. And that becomes part of the game is exploring and really figuring out all the different secrets that exist within a level. Uh, but also, yeah, like the way Galaxy does it too is really good where you are in and out and you are, all right, here's your goal. Here's your path. Boom. All right, here's, an, here's another one. Boom, you're done and you're out, uh, which is nice. The thing, I, the thing I'll, I'll shout out though for 64 in the latter half of the levels is that I really like how they play around with the castle design when it comes oh, to beautiful. Like, how you how you get to those levels and how you discover them and so like with the uh the second snow level in the game right like that being a painting that's on the wall that's invisible in like IRL IRL is in like Mario's IRL but then you look you look in the mirror and you see it there and that's how you discover that level like that's cool uh big tiny world or whatever that world is called tiny uh, huge island tiny huge island yeah like having having the small painting then lead to the big painting those being the same level but you're transferring between them like that's a genius concept like even in um the water level which i can i can remember never, i can never remember the name of it because it has a dumb name i think it's called wet dry world in yeah. in wet dry world i believe like the the water level is determined by how high you jump into the painting right. yep. which is like yep this is a this is the thing that i've only noticed this playthrough as far as like how many different ways in which they play around with that which i think is really cool Dude, Mario 64's hub world is just on another level, and you can kind of see it. Like, the Comet Observatory in Galaxy is lame. The story elements are super cool, but they tried to, like, have that level of wonder, and they just completely missed the mark on it. And that's mm -hmm. why when they get to Galaxy 2, they just turn it into a more traditional, like, just, These you're on Spaceship Mario, whatever the fuck, just get to the next level. Yeah. Like, the, when I was a kid and discovering how to get into that haunted house, like on your own without the oh internet or guys to help you it just like that was a mind-blowing experience like hey this one bill looks a little different i wonder what happens if i do this holy shit where am i now kind of thing dude like the 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 level design in general in that game i posted a, a picture uh, a video of uh me in the uh in cool cool mountain and there's a certain path you can get you can take to get to the star that is uh uh wall kick works which is like i think the last star in that level which is like at the bottom of the level as a kid, the way I found it was by jumping on one of the enemies that'll make you spin and then you can fly down there. I didn't like I, I thought that was just the way to get to that 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 star. <laughs> it wasn't until recently where I realized that there was a cannon that'll shoot you to a, a, a tree that you need to get to that'll then naturally get you there. But like that's a testament to how good the level design is, is for so many of these different stars in the game, there are multiple ways you can get there. And again, like playing it today, it still feels if it still feels right, it still feels accessible, and it still has that level of, oh, yeah, you're discovering different ways in which you can get to this thing, which I think is really impressive for this game that came out in, what, 96? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and another thing to your point, Bless, about like the levels and really getting intimately familiar with them. I love that every level requires you to get a hundred coins. Cause I feel like there are sometimes yeah. that's that's kind of a breeze. And then there's other levels where it's like you're really desperately looking for another enemy to to kill or like a nook and cranny that like you might not have found and all that stuff. And uh I, that's where I'm at right now, where Hazy Maze Cave is just kicking my ass for this hundred yeah. car, hundred star. Uh, 100, 100 coin, coin star. star. Oh my god! I just keep dying, <laughs> and I'll have like ninety something, and then like I'll accidentally slip a little bit, and then he just starts sliding and falls down the hole, and I'm just like, "You motherfucker!" <laughs> but I'm gonna get 120. Gotta do it. Do you remember the first time you in a wet dry world where you cannon over to the other side of the map? Was that as special of a moment for y'all as it was for me? Because that was like a moment for me where I, when I figured that out. Dude, I, I was just watching a YouTube video uh, last night about how that level is like creepy to people. Like, there's yeah, something. Dry world. Like, it's creepy. Remember? It's creepy to me. It's the first one you find when you go up the stairs. It's the, like one, the one that, one that's like, staring the, at the, the water barrier. rises. Oh, like lowers. the city and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That level. There's something yeah. unsettling about it, and I watched this YouTube video that like did a breakdown of like what about that level is like fucks with people mentally. And I'm just like, what the hell, man? I, yeah. I never got that vibe from it. But No, I've, I've had that vibe from it my whole life. I didn't know this was something that other people experienced. Like, jumping into the level, and I, I think for, uh, half of it for a kid for me was not knowing where the water was going to be was part of it for some reason. Like, I would go into the level, and if the bo- water was at the very bottom, I'd get, like, a weird feeling from it. Like, a, oh, I don't like this. Like, I feel Ew. off my game. Like, oh. And then, I could see yeah. it being weird, like... It's a drowned town. Like, there's just nobody there. And it's like, it was, yes, clearly, that too. it was clearly Hyrule Castle Town at one point. But, like, because it's the same Holy textures God. and all that stuff. Whoa. How like, is this game still blowing my mind? <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. You're so right. But, like, yeah, I, I can see it being the water creepy to go in there. Yeah, water, water spiders, spiders pretty creepy. And that one robot that just keeps flipping you and there's just, like, nothing you can do. I freaking hate those guys. Yeah. Oh, my God. Ugh. Mario 64. What a game. game. Let me tell you about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Gabby Insurance. Now, let me tell you about this because this is actually a super cool thing. Uh, When you've had the same car insurance or homeowner's insurance for years, you kind of get trapped into paying your premiums and not thinking about it. Uh, That makes it really easy to overpay and not even realize it. So I was – I every once in a while think about it, but I never really acted on it. I never looked into am I actually – you know, getting the right type of insurance to like maximize and make sure I'm as efficient as possible when it comes into, you know, paying for my my car insurance. And I used Gabby. It was a super easy thing to do. And I it turns out I am. I'm in a good place. I am making the best decisions. And that's awesome. Uh, but that gave me a lot of peace of mind to be able to understand that I'm doing the right thing. I recommended this to a couple of my friends to try because it was so easy. And they were not doing the right thing and were able to easily understand where they should switch over to to save a whole bunch of money. Um, So I could not recommend Gabby enough to you guys. Gabby takes the pain out of shopping for insurance by giving you an apples-to-apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers like Progressive Nationwide Travelers. Uh, You just link your current insurance account, and in minutes, you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage that you currently have. Again, super easy, such a great service. 
Really highly recommend it. Uh, Gabby, Gabby customers save $825 per year on average. Uh, if they can't find you savings like they, they did for some of my friends, then they'll let you know so you can relax knowing you have the best rate out there just like I'm able to now. Uh, it's totally free to check your rate and there's no obligation. It just takes a few minutes. Right now, go check it out. Stop overpaying on your car and home insurance. Go to Gabby.com slash kind of funny. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash kind of funny gabby.com slash kind of funny next up let's talk about express vpn baby there's a ton of vpn providers out there you probably heard of a couple of them and some of you may have even used a vpn before but i am the type of person that loves doing my research i'm making sure i'm getting the best one and lo and behold express vpn has been my answer here are a couple reasons why ExpressVPN doesn't log your data. Lots of really cheap or free VPNs make money by selling your data to ad companies. That's not good. Uh, ExpressVPN uh, makes sure that your internet speeds are where they should be. You don't need to worry about all the quality and stuff. It just gives you the internet how you should be getting the internet. And check it out. It's not just me talking about this. Wired, The Verge, CNET, many other tech experts rate ExpressVPN the number one VPN in the world. Protect yourself with the VPN uh, that we at Kind of Funny use and trust. Use the link expressvpn.com slash kindoffunny today and get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash kindoffunny. Expressvpn.com slash kindoffunny to learn more. And finally, shout out to Upstart. During these economically turbulent times, everyone's looking for a way to feel more financially secure. So if you're still needlessly throwing money every month at high-interest credit card debt, it's time you checked out Upstart, the revolutionary online lending platform that knows that you are more than just your credit score. Unlike other lenders, Upstart can reward you based on your education and job history in the form of a smarter rate. You don't need a degree or diploma to apply, though. Uh, one of my best friends uh, had a lot of debt issues where essentially just he had debt in too many places. Upstart was able to help him consolidate it into one place, and it just makes it easier to wrap your head around to be able to, to pay off and have it not feel like such a, like, you know, just unruly obstacle in front of you. Upstart makes it fast and simple to check your rate. Since it's just a soft pull, it won't affect your credit score. The hard pull happens if you accept your rate and proceed with the application. Uh, you can see why Upstart has 4.9 out of 5 4.9 out of 5 rating on Trustpilot. And hurry to upstart.com slash kinda to find out how low your Upstart rate can be. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes. Your loan amount will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Not all applicants will qualify for the full amount. Hurry to upstart.com slash kinda to find out how low your upstart rate can be. Let's do the topic of the show, guys. Tots, 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 tots. Console Wars. Once a book by mm. Blake Harris. Now a movie. A documentary. About the and wars. a press mailer that I got here, huh? Oh, Look at this thing. Oh. Huh? This came today. Don't mind me. Look at that. The word consoles in the Nintendo font, and the word wars is in, the, in Sega the Sega font. font. I wonder if that's because this movie is about the console wars in the early '90s between Sega and Nintendo. Yeah, it is. It is, ladies and gentlemen. Going around the table, we've all now watched this movie. Mm. Who has read the book? I have. I have. I have not. Can't. It's so long, I can't remember if I finished it, but I definitely read at least half of it. So Imran, as somebody that, that read the book, watched the movie, give me your top-level thoughts. So top-level thoughts are, this is both the book and the movie are really impressive pieces of video game journalism because they get interviews from a period of time that just like nobody really talks about or nobody really says anything about. And they get like Howard Lincoln and Peter Main and I, Tom Glinsky will talk to anybody. But like they get... <laughs> They basically get these quotes from these this era that is 
so really shrouded in mystery that I that's really just amazing. Also, it's the book and the movie both share the same thing, but they cast Kalinsky as a protagonist and they do it in such a way that's a little off-putting in terms of like it tells one side of the story that is not always accurate to the facts. And I'm not I'm not like tell, saying Harris is like a like making anything up or anything, but there's things that they ignore and kind of try to tell a certain a very yeah a very like stilted narrative for of like here is Tom Kalinsky fighting against all these people that are trying to take him down and he was right the entire time. It's like that's not the way things actually happened as far as I we mean, know. They, they go over Altered Beast in a way that I was like, all right. That's how you're gonna talk about it. Well, Alfred Beast kind of sucks. Like, let's be clear. Right. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's there. There are aspects of that movie that I think are incredibly impressive, and the book as well. And aspects that I think are very, very one-sided. Greg, what do you think? I loved it. I thought it was great. It was. It, it. I think if anything, it ends abruptly. That was my one main takeaway. Right as we get going, and like, there's so much time spent on the rise of the Genesis. You know, them trying to outplay NES in general, and then outplay SNES, uh, and them doing it is great. But then, right, I think it just happens so quick with Saturn, PlayStation enters the picture. Duh! It's you know we're like, and then it's like it's over. And you're like, what? Wait, what? Like, I, I get that. Like. There's, I felt like it was just really top heavy in the front between the console wars, obviously, between Nintendo and Sega, but I don't feel like we get to a definitive conclusion before it goes off the rails with uh, PlayStation and the mix and Tom leaving and what happens with them or whatever. But all that said, I think it's a fascinating movie, a great documentary. Like it is one of those things, you know, to what we're talking about. Of, I think we all know, and I'm including the listeners and viewers in this, right? We all know the video game industry in its current state so well. And even that, you think back to me starting in 2007 and while definitely people have come and gone you're you're don matrix jack trentons or whatever we still feel i feel like that's common for our audience nomenclature and who these people are to go this far back and see who sega of america was right and how that was run to see who nintendo was at the time and these fights they're having at ces's and these conversations and the underheaded tactics and like you talk about like how you know games journalism and press events and how it was the wild west you look back to this right in like the early 90s when it really it legitimately was like you know these like basically like the toys R Us mafia of like who can get your machines in and what are you going to do with them it's just a fascinating look at an industry i feel like we know so well but this part because we were kids even we don't know as well bless as the kiddiest of all of us age <laughs> child what you take away from this uh i thought it was a really good watch um i wish there was more i'm with you guys that i I, like i wish they got more into uh all right so what did happen with the saturn afterwards and what how that gets a dream dreamcast and how that then end up with sega being what sega is today uh i wanted to see more of that it did it did seem pretty on the sega side of things as far as like uh uh what what the perspective of the the story was which is cool like uh, at a certain point you're gonna need to pick a side i guess when it comes to telling a competitive story like this like especially if you're going to come in and and if you're going to bring people in and interview them um and i i I thought for the most part it was very fascinating it was really fascinating watching this and then the next day getting the news that xbox had bought bethesda because that i feel like that contextualized uh that that move contextualized this console war in a very interesting way where like legit 
it was Sunday night. I watched the movie Monday morning. I wake up and see the news and I was like, oh, we're living it. It's still happening. <laughs> like they're still <laughs> very much in competition. Like one is going for the other's throat. Uh, that was a, that was a pretty like fun thing to, to see play out. But yeah, overall, I, I, I enjoyed the movie. I don't know how much I necessarily even I'll say learn from it because I feel like a lot of this was information we kind of already knew, but it felt more so like, okay, here's some details. Here are the people that are actually involved in the console wars and what actually led to uh things like sonic being made and 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 you know what like the the idea of them bringing in somebody who was a a video game player to consult on sonic's design and they're like oh we don't like that but i guess like hey y'all know better than us so so we're gonna do it that's the thing where i think we all know the broad strokes of mario versus sonic right nintendo versus sega but to get into the minutiae as the book and this movie does right in terms of or i guess documentary of like yeah this is how it is right and you see that you know uh them going over there to sega of japan right and explaining what they're going to do and them getting like angry <laughs> they're getting like visibly angry but at the end like being men of their word and saying like all right we said you could do it so go do it like prove us wrong and to see it escalate out that way yeah where you're talking about of people who are playing the games and figuring it out uh, i had totally forgotten if not missed uh you know when nintendo started this play it loud thing right to try to counteract the sega thing because they actually did put that much pressure on it i thought that was rad to see yeah, I I really enjoyed it, and I watched it with Gia, and that's like a the definite big test the barometer yeah. of like does this work as a documentary? And I think that in that sense, it did for the most part. Um, and I, I think that that's the weirdest thing for me, where I actually learned a lot from this. Like I I'm very familiar with so many elements of it, but there was so much, including the play it loud stuff that you're talking about, Greg. Where like I didn't live through that at an age that I could appreciate any of it. Um, and so much of the it taking Sega's side, I thought really worked to the, the documentary's advantage as a film, like as a piece of content, because I loved the switch about halfway through where then like you're with Sega the whole way through. And then it's like, okay, but let's take it back to talk about Nintendo. Who Nintendo um, is. Yeah. And I, I thought that was a, a really cool kind of twist, but it is weird because it in so many ways seems like the type of documentary that's made that's like you don't need to be a video game fan to watch this. Like it explains a lot of different things and a lot of different elements that Gia could totally keep up with. But then there's a couple things that I'm like, wow, I'm bringing knowledge into this that if I didn't have, I'm missing a lot of context here. And I think a big part there is the exactly what Nintendo did with the Atari 2600 situation of like mm-hmm. bringing the video game industry back from the dead. They mentioned the ET thing. They mentioned like, oh yeah, the Atari, but it's like, I feel like the documentary should have done a clearer job of being like, it was over. <laughs> like home video game consoles were not a thing and Nintendo made them come back. And I feel like you can't just say that in two sentences. Like it felt like an exposition when it should have felt like something that we were being shown and explained. And uh, I could have done with more of that and a little less of the like, very specific they get into the weeds so much about some of the marketing stuff and it was just like even for them to do that i don't think at any point they said the nintendo does or sega does what nintendo don't they yeah did. right they did the commercial once i think but it's like that's a bizarre thing right like <laughs> to, for them not to even go into that which is you know now we look back on it and i feel like if you would ask just the general kind of funny games audience member like what are the key standout things from the console wars of, of that era, they mentioned that phrase and they'd mentioned blast processing, right? So, <laughs> and, and and then the Sega thing. Yeah, it was just, uh, so there's just certain things. Mario like, Sonic. This, this, and Mario vs. Sonic. 
Uh, but I definitely enjoyed it, and I thought it was cool. I thought a lot of the uh, the talking heads that they got were fascinating people, and kind of like gave great perspective on uh, whatever it is that they were talking about. And I also loved that it felt like there was legitimate history between a lot of them. And even though they were not talking to each other, they were all you know it was just one shots. There were it was cut in a way that it really felt like these people had a respect for each other, even if some of them hated. <laughs> one another yeah. at specific times the court case situation i i didn't know about and i thought was really interesting where it was i believe howard lincoln uh that was that was talking to uh actually i don't know exactly who he was talking to but he was it's essentially in court yes the hearings yeah like he was he was, essentially, Bill. he was essentially explaining that like yeah as nintendo we've been doing our part to protect the player talking about like uh violence and mortal combat and uh i forgot i forget if Night Trap was part of that, or if they mentioned that in the that in was the part of those hearings. They showed in the montage. The yeah, gotcha. Um, but yeah, they're like Howard Lincoln was essentially talking about that, and basically like the person on the second side of things representing them was I forget his name, but Peter somebody Maine. who 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 was it? Peter Main. Peter Main, who was part of uh, Nintendo before, but then went over to Sega and was part of like he was he like he was involved in Nintendo when it came down to the, the NES um, the shooter the gun thing you're talking about bill the white aren't you oh bill white sorry yes. yeah bad bill, bill. Over, yeah. For, yes gotcha but yeah like him busting that out and being like oh yeah nintendo made this gun for people to use that's that was like, a moment man. the fact that there was real footage of that it was like god damn that that was some dirty shit but that was another thing is like i i remember hearing a lot of people talk about the console wars book and talk about like dude it got nasty between them like this shit was crazy and then see this documentary i'm like I, that was that was as nasty as it got like yeah there was some moments that i was like i'm a little surprised it went that way but like um there was a, a book Gia was telling me about that came out a couple years ago that was about uber and lyft um somebody in the, the comments is definitely gonna know exactly the name of it and i don't know shit but uh so things she was telling me about uber and lyft in their early years and the ways that they would compete for market uh place market space in different areas is like that was some shady shit there was a lot going on there this kind of just seems like Semi-tame stuff, and one guy switched sides. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, them also, screaming like, at each other in the streets, like they said, right? Where yeah. they they have that break broken up. It's them deflating each other's balloons. It's them doing. I think the underhanded, or not underhanded, but like fucking crazy thing of getting a Famicom and or Super Famicom and getting Super Mario World and being like, our game looks better than that, and then bringing it around to fucking trade shows and malls and being like, hey kids, which do you like better? And having them vote and trounce them, right? And even the the stuff for uh, you know opening a Sega store for all intents and purposes in Bentonville, right? So that you're like basically protesting on Walmart's doorstep. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of radical I stuff Sega did there, right? Yeah, yeah. And like, like I feel like the 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 console war part of this is an interesting story, but like Tim says, it didn't get that like nasty. But I the part that they the movie mostly kind of glosses over and kind of mentions here and there is the. The rivalry between Sega of Japan and Sega of America, and I think that's the thing that should have gotten more play. And I think the reason they didn't, and like you mentioned, the abrupt ending, Greg, like because the the way it would have ended in like history was Kalinsky pushed the three two X and it didn't go well, and then he leaves after that because Sega of Japan pushed the Saturn, and like yeah. that would have been a cool thing to go into. But because they had like this very established narrative of actually Japan just isn't listening to America, what it wasn't the way it went and they didn't want to, I guess, change direction on the documentary. So, like, the framing of, let's talk about Sega versus, the upstart Sega, underdog Sega, 
going against Nintendo and succeeding, and then whoops, documentary is over. It's like you could have done a little bit more with this, and I think you just kind of you you pulled your punches a bit too much. I loved seeing the E3 footage towards the end. And they're just like, oh, we just have a short presentation. And they just go up and say the price. And the audience oh, yeah. goes crazy. And they yeah, walk yeah. off. I was like, that's so freaking tight. And also, shout out to the Comfort Inn. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Such a good running thing throughout this entire thing. But why is he still there? <laughs> like, they said that. Still I'm working like, at Sega, man. But I'm like, well, but why? I don't get it. I just... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely, I recommend watching it. Like, Greg, do you have the, the stats in front of you with that little box that you got coming to CBS? CBS All Access. It's right now. It's out. Oh, it's out? Oh, Today's the Yeah. Oh, cool. There's a lot of fun motion graphics throughout the whole thing, too, that are kind of like filling in the gaps of things they don't actually have footage for. And I appreciate it. Yeah, I like, like the drawings, right? I, yeah, I kind of feel like video game documentaries oh, don't cool. need to do pixel art for every single thing. Like, maybe this is because I just watched High Score as well. But yes. like, the, it's okay. Every video game documentary does pixel art, and it does the thing at the beginning where they explain video games make a lot of money. Like you don't do it like a music documentary and go like music makes a decent amount of money too. I want yeah. like I want oh. Daniel Dwyer like no clip to do this kind of documentary, like yeah. a like Hell their yeah. own version of Console Wars. Because uh, that was the thing that I was thinking of too. I was like, okay, yeah, this is a good watch. Part of me feels like no clip could maybe do it better in terms of like the pacing and the actual production of it like i just like how they do it versus the yeah the pixel art kind of felt like a bit much this is very much trying to take video games in and give it a mainstream thing right that even gia could watch and i'm not saying that danny doesn't do that but danny danny takes our medium and our industry right and takes it as a very i'm making a very serious documentary that if you're into serious documentaries you're going to be about whereas i think this one was a little bit more let's have some flash some color let's get into this and let's have fun with it and draw off of that more so we're enticing people even who don't care about video games yeah, and everyone, I'm totally with you about the the pixel art and stuff because I watched a couple episodes of High Score as well. Uh, but what I appreciated about this one is, for the most part, there there was always like one extra element to the design of it where it's like they tried making it look like a Genesis game and they used yeah. Genesis type colors mm-hmm. uh, to show the the different things for when they were talking about the Sega side and the Nintendo stuff felt different. And I was like, that's actually cool because like this is is being made and designed by people that actually really get it and what makes this, but. What I was kind of bummed about, extremely bummed about, actually, is the weird lack of game music and game sound effects uh, in in this documentary. There are a couple moments where the the, the Donkey Kong theme will play for a little bit, or they'll do some stuff, but it, it, the soundtrack felt very generic to me. And there's a couple pop songs they played, like they use Salt and Pepper's "Push It" to great effect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just felt like it kind of felt lesser than where it's like. Okay, so you can get that license to use the video footage of these games, but why am I not hearing the stuff right now? But yeah, maybe that's just the type of fucking nerdy guy I am. But like from the video Probably. production side of this, I, I look at it and I'm just like, it feels cheap. It doesn't feel authentic. Like it feels like fake video game music instead of real video game music. Yeah. Like for one of the things for me is that like the when I finished the book a couple of years ago. It felt like a sequel to David Chef's Game Over. Like, that was the story of Nintendo up until, like, Super, Super NES. And then it was like, okay, here's the console wars until then from the perspective of Sega. I want stuff after that. And, like, we just don't get that all that often. Like, we don't have the story necessarily of the the creation of the Xbox. Which I, I'm sure it would be fascinating. Or, like, any, the Xbox and the Xbox 360 are at this point retro. 
and yeah. we it would be it's weird that we don't move past that for like their own documentaries i guess like at a certain point that stuff doesn't resonate as well it was kind of funny like clearly they were using like hdmi like an analog nt for some of that stuff and then like putting a crt filter on it and then filming it with an off-camera thing but then they like towards the end they show a montage of, like all video games or video games like through the ages and they show gears of war and it still has a crt filter on it I'm like <laughs> okay you guys i see what you're doing you didn't quite get to the point you wanted to make there yeah totally now one thing i want to bring up that absolutely blew my mind and i might lose it in a lot of nerd credit for this specifically being the type of gamer i am and like video game historian to the level that i am i had no idea that playstation and sega had a moment yeah or that that sony was and sega had a moment i know about the nintendo sony sure. cd situation i did not mm -hmm. know about sega that revelation came from the book i think like i think people didn't know it until the the book was released that's crazy yeah it's insane like it's legitimately this the entire industry could have been different if like one or two people along the way made different decisions which is wild. Like the 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 fact that they got to the point where uh, Sega had the meeting where they were talking about, hey, there's this new chipset and we can have like these awesome three uh, 3D games, right? And it was rejected because of beef between two departments of the same company. That was <laughs> then, that's 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 then defining like, like the rest of that's video also, games. Like that's a little of where it gets a little inaccurate. Or not? Hmm. Who knows how accurate it's going to be? Because it's always going to be different for based on who was in the room and who wasn't. But that's where it's like, some people are going to say Kalinske signed uh, deals without Sega Japan's knowledge. And some people are going to say like, no, Sega Japan was just jealous. So we're not going to ever really know what happened, I don't think. Mm. Mm. Wild. Well, anyways, you guys wow. should check it out. I, I think it's worth a watch for sure. Like, oh, even if it's not yeah. the best thing in the world, I think that in terms of video game documentaries that have a mainstream appeal, I do think that this is a step above a notch above maybe not too too far but like a notch above what we've seen before uh especially just after watching high score which is fine yeah it's fine Hi high score is much more mainstream it's not for people who like know their video game history at that point it's for people who are adjacent to those people yeah totally uh but anyways this oh is i want to say one thing that actually did blow my mind on that one it's not video game related that the reebok pump did nothing Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Insane. And so cool. I love that shit. I love like that paired with the blast processing conversation. I was like, marketing is a crazy motherfucker. Yes. <laughs> I just, like, the guy was like, yeah, it actually made it for like, it made it worse. It made it, it for too warm. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, so like, I know it, but I, I'm sure it made me jump higher. I'm sure of it. And, and also the last thing I want to say is there is a scene about 10 minutes into this where a dude is on a beach and a man from Japan comes out oh my of nowhere God. to hire him. And I'm just like, I hope that that happened exactly the way that it was shown. <laughs> that was my favorite part of the book. I remember reading that on a plane on a trip, and I was like, what? <laughs> they followed him to Hawaii <laughs> on a beach to find him to make him come oh, work? Could you imagine? <laughs> I'd be like, yo, get out of my face. <laughs> I'm on vacation. <laughs> uh, but anyways, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Kind of Funny Games cast. If you want to stay for the exclusive Patreon post show. Go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Bless. Do we have a bless who today? We do. We do have a bless who today. Oh, baby. It's game time. I need to give my Anyways, till next time. Love you. Bye.